joined now on the flagship podcast interview by Ty Harrington, the longtime Texas State baseball coach from 2000 to 2019, three NCAA uh, appearances with Texas State, and then, of course, three trips to Omaha as a player at Texas yep. and one as a graduate assistant, the one and only Ty Harrington. Ty, how are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic. I'm uh, like everybody else. I'm uh, trying to relive last night's game uh, in my mind, in my head. And, and um, I, you know, the one thing I will say about that I did not completely expect is that I didn't expect that it was still going to be light when the game ended like it was last night. And it went so fast. Um, but I was able to get all my, my, my walk in my Sunday night walk <laughs> and all the above, because it just was, you know, obviously a pitching duel and, and, uh, still a, a great, from my perspective, a fun college baseball game. Yeah. I mean, um, talking to Ty Harrington, of course, about the uh, game one of the world series, college world series for Texas, they, the Longhorns rally in the ninth inning comes up a little bit short. They lose two to one. Uh, to Mississippi State, the team that that they played to open the season. And we had a phenomenal pitching performance from Will Bednar of Mississippi State. He had 15 strikeouts in this game. And then they bring in their ace closer, Landon Sims. He uh, retires the first six batters. He faces five by strikeout. And so Texas ends up striking out 21 times in this game, Ty, and you know, it's a two to one game. I mean, they Antico hits a home run in the ninth. They're down one. They've got guys on base and they can't get them around. So the rally falls short. But everyone is asking me, was that a great pitching performance by Mississippi State or a poor batting performance by Texas? How how do you answer that? I think I answer it with it. I thought it was a great pitching performance and um, on both ends, because if you go and you total it out, it's 32 punch outs, right? And on both sides. So it yep. tells you. I'm Madden had 10 Hanson. Yeah. Had so, yeah. So that tells you there's to me, it was, it was about the pitching. And if you go, if you go look in the numbers before last night's game and you look at, you know, Texas had punched out over 500 times this year, right? Mississippi state had only punched out 380 something times all year long. So you knew that there were going to be punch outs last night. But the idea that even, you know, Mississippi State punched out 10 times last night off of Madden and told, or maybe even once off of hands, it tells you that there, both those, all those pitchers were really, really, really good. You know, now you're talking about power breakers, you're talking about power fastballs. And every time that uh, Bednar needed to come up with fastball way, locate and execute a fastball way, he was able to do it. Ironically, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, it's part of the game. The umpire yesterday, Steve Mattingly, who we can get into later, the home plate umpire, played for me at Arkansas State way back in 92, I think, or 93 or something like that. But he's a strike caller. He always has been. Um, I thought he called strikes both ways. I didn't think he was indifferent one way or another, but he, other than he was calling strikes last night. And so I think that added a little bit to it as well. Um, and it just, look, they, every time it was fastball away, and then he went to high spin rate fastball up. And then when every time they were looking for breaker and trying to sit on a breaker, he would, you know, spin rate them up and, you know, they just couldn't catch up because by, by tip, probably by maybe the sixth, fifth 
maybe late in the fifth or sixth inning, uh, he was down to 89 to 92, 91 miles an hour. So that's not something, you know, that people aren't used to seeing. Certainly Texas is used to seeing that kind of velo, you know, all the time. And uh, But, man, that power breaker, he just, you know, it was that good. In my opinion, it was that good. The only the only difference I thought about last night, I thought Texas's best chance, if you read, read through the numbers before the game, was going to be from the fifth to the seventh. That was going to be their moment. Bednar, you hoped to get him up pitch count-wise. You thought the shadow would start to settle down. So all those things were going to lead to the fifth, you know, fifth to seventh was going to be their gap. What Mississippi State did, Chip, they rolled the dice. In my opinion, I thought it was not necessarily a mistake, but it was a high-risk, high-reward moment that they went to Sims in the seventh. That goes to a nine-out save. That's not a three-out save where you get up there and just air it out for three outs. They were asking him to get nine tough outs. Um, and I thought then, once they did that, I thought and it was true. Our best chance now – I see our Texas' best chance now – was going to be the ninth inning and it almost, it almost came out. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the shadows, Ty, talking to Ty Harrington, uh, talking about game one of the college world series. The Longhorns will take on Tennessee on Tuesday. We'll get into that in a minute, but you mentioned the the shadows at TD Ameritrade and Omaha and talk about that because how difficult is that? Who does, who gets the advantage in that situation when you got these giant shadows, um, you know, covering half the field? Well, half the infield. No doubt, there's no doubt it was in the pitcher's advantage last yeah. night. And I was just I, when I walked in the office, I was talking to to Casey Kalinkowski, who was an All American first baseman for me, and he was livid about, "Oh my God, Coach, that's ridiculous! They're having to play in those shadows." That's you know, and as a true spoken like a true hitter, right? And spoken as a true power hitter who's trying to catch up and you know and hit fastballs and elevate them out of the ballpark and 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 protect against breakers. But it was obviously it was in the pitcher's advantage last night. I, 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 even with the shadows, I think there would have been a lot of punch. Out. I don't think there would have been as many punch outs uh, as there was last night. And I think the game, if you're if you're an offensive minded guy, you know, a person, you probably would enjoy quite a bit more offense and a little more excitement from that perspective. But, man, it, just the sheer beauty of watching two, four great pitchers get after each other last night. You couldn't have you, you can't draw that up. It, you know, so there was. The, the chink in the armor for Madden became a one out. I mean, a leadoff walk in the fourth. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, they, they go base hit and there were the first baseman had to I admit mean, the runner at first had actually freeze on the base hit, but still had the speed to go from first to third, which is something Texas this year has done as good as anybody, in my opinion, running the bases and cutting the corners. And I, you know, he was able to get the third and then, you know, Madden did what he had to do with the four hole hitter, got the punch out. And then went to an elevated, you know, didn't mean to, got to an elevated pitch, and the and the left-handed hitter drove the ball out to, you know, and got the sack fly. Then there's a really tough play right down the line. I don't know if that, you know, that fence is right there. I think that was going to be tough on any outfielder to try to make that play down the line. And uh, and so that was a difference at that point in time. That was a difference in the game, obviously, and ended up being the the difference in the end. Um, and it wasn't. It just if you were if you love to watch guys. I mean, execute pitches time in and time out. Then you saw it. You also saw probably how many how many pitching plans Mississippi State had going into that game 
going back to game one, as you mentioned a minute ago, of the very you know beginning of the year, going back to that, they probably watched that game, you know, who knows how many times and said, this is how we're going to attack this guy. This is how we're going to attack this guy. And, and they were able to do it again and execute it. That's hard to do too, Chip, by the way, second time around. Yeah, yeah. Talking to Ty Harrington. In fact, we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast interview. Uh, you'll want to stay with us because we'll we'll look ahead as to how the Longhorns can bounce back with Ty Harrington. And Ty, um, you know, Texas, they they use Hansen in a relief role for two innings. He would have thrown a bullpen anyway. He only threw, I think, 26 pitches. Yep. So if Texas can get through Tuesday's game against Tennessee, and we'll preview that here in a second, Hanson would be available um, for Thursday to start yep. game three. So people wondering, why are they burning up Hanson here? That was that was basically a bullpen for him. Yeah, that's, he's so efficient, right? I, I think there was a decision made. Uh, obviously, there was a, a pitching plan decision made early um, that, if we had a chance to, to, to get Hanson in the game, you know, he hadn't pitched in how many days, 10 to 14, whatever it's been. Um, and he needed to work anyway. And he's, you know, one of your best options. He's he, so efficient with his pitches that, you know, Thursday you start for him. He may not be able to go past six because of that maybe, but in that same breath, in that moment, what, what, you know, coach Pierce and, and made the decision was we're, we're going to win this game tonight, or let's win the game tonight with, you know, with Hanson on the mound, let's get him to hold. I thought after he got three outs, I thought they might go to wit, you know, for the ninth uh, to hold it right there as well. And, you know, keep Hanson's pitch count back a little bit, but again, he was efficient enough. You brought it up that by Thursday, you know, he'll be able to start now, how far along he could go, that's going to be decided by, you know, how, how efficient he is early in that game. If they get to Thursday, how efficient they would be. But that was a decision that they made before the game, I'm sure. Um, again, I think there were some people questioning, not that he went out for three outs. It was whether, you know, you kept him in there for six. But he's three days rest. He's been fresh. It's been 14 days or how many long it's been since he's pitched again. So I, I really feel like that he would be, you know, up to 100 or at least up to 90 on Thursday if it gets to Thursday. Ty, the five through eight hitters for Texas really yeah. struggled. They each struck out at least three times in the game. Um, and, and Cam Williams ended up having a big hit in the ninth inning, but he, he had struck out three times before that. Um, but Arduan and Faltini and, you know, that's a, that's a critical stretch of your batting lineup. What, what do those guys need to do? Um, and Tuesday's game will be at one o'clock. So the shadows will, will not be as significant. <laughs> I mean, but what, what do they need to do to, to get their confidence back uh, facing the third seeded Tennessee volunteers who shockingly um, got beat six zip by unseated Virginia. Yeah. They, they're going to try to put this one behind them as quick as they can. That's the best thing you can do. And that's not easy to do chip as a hitter. Look, I, I think one of the hardest things to do last night is on national TV. There's no telling how many, you know, thousands or million, how many people watched the game last night, right? That's as big a stage as Texas has been on all year. And to go out there and, and you know, have, you know, the, the, how many, I think there was four people, four players that, you know, three punch outs. There was only one guy in the lineup, Kennedy, who didn't have multiple punch outs last night or strikeouts. It is so hard. 
to go back out there and as that game grows on from a confidence standpoint, knowing that all of a sudden, you know, you finally get, you know, Vednor, here comes Sims, right? An All-American and you're just like, oh my God, how can I, you know, I just got to shorten up and get a ball in play. And you could see they were trying later in the game, they were really trying to hit a ball the other way. They were trying to make contact, trying to get the ball into play more times. And it just, you know, the, the shadows, the stuff, all those things, you know, and the confidence part. Chip, it's hard. I mean, think about this. It, this is a terrible, you know, not a terrible, but is, you know, some type of simulation. Imagine having to have, you know, six straight downhill four foot putts in a row from left to right. It, you know, it just, you know, under with millions of people watching. And so, it's just, it's a tough deal. And, uh, and I, so to answer your question, they, they're going to go hit today. They're going to go back to work. They're going to sweat it out. They're going to work it out. They're going to throw some breakers at them in BP. They're going to try to build their confidence back up over what they've done in the past through their, their normal practice process. And they'll go back there and grind it out today. Try to put that behind them as quickly as they can and work on the things that they're good at this afternoon, I'm sure, to try to get ready for tomorrow. Yeah, and a guy like Bednar who's who's throwing that fastball um, elevated. I mean, what do you sit on? Do you sit on the fastball? Do you <laughs> sit on sit on the breaking ball? What are you sitting on? <laughs> You're sitting on your hands and the <laughs> that's what I would there with your bat on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it, it's hard. I mean, it really is the hardest. The hardest thing is, is when you, if you go up there and you're trying to hit a ball the other way, which is what coaches are trying to, to shorten your swing down, get it in the middle part of the field. And he has the ability to high spin rate you and elevate you in the top of the strike zone. And the difference was last night, Chip, he didn't miss. So he didn't have big misses. When you don't have big misses, you don't fall behind. You don't hitters don't get comfortable in there. And I just, he, he every so precise and so pinpoint. If you went back and watched some of the pitches that were called balls, they were just off the, just off the plate, right. just, you know, out of the strike zone. They weren't big pulls. They weren't breakers in the dirt where you, you know, hitters are like, okay, now I got him. I've trapped him into a two Oh count. Now I can go in there and look for a fastball and, and really, you know, gear up. He never really gave them that chance to do that. He kept them, occupied in thought every at bat that they didn't know what he was coming with. And then he, I think there was two times or multiple times he even went to three, two breakers and, you know, that power, and he would shorten that bigger power breaker down to more of a slider action ball. And uh, that didn't cover as much ground. And he just was in complete command, not only of his emotions, but obviously he had complete control of the spin of the baseball last night. Yeah. So Texas now will take on Tennessee. This is a team I thought was scary coming in to Omaha because offensively they're one of the best teams in the country and they were on a roll like Texas. They didn't lose a game in the regional or super regional round, but then, you know, I was listening to their coach, Tony Vitello after, after the game. And he said, you know, we've got to go, to the plate with confidence and conviction sounded a little bit like Texas. Um, yeah. So what, what do you think? I mean, about this matchup? Well, you first of all, you're, you're right. Uh, Tennessee has been a, an offensive team um, and they have fly ball power um, and they've got gap powers. If you go in there and you look at their extra base hit value, it's, it's high. Um, but it, uh, some of that's going to, what's the wind going to be like? 
you know, on, on Tuesday, it was unusual on Sunday that the wind blew out. I mean, it, I looked out there one time, they had a camera anger on uh, Mississippi state center fielder and his hair was blowing out of his hat. And, and so that's just unusual that it was blowing out in Omaha, you know, for, you know, when they changed the stadium, that wind would come straight through downtown and blow straight into home plate and made it a really kind of non-offensive fly ball ballpark. So a lot of people were concerned or interested, not concerned, interested whether, you know, Tennessee was going to be able to, to use their fly ball double in, you know, home run power to, to change the score. And I was shocked, totally shocked, as I'm sure Tony was too, that, you know, they couldn't score, you know, with the wind set up like it was the other day. And, that, you know, credit to Virginia's pitching. Um, but the other part of that too, that you got to realize one is you, you, you've got, Hanson, who is efficient as he can be all year long, and arguably people can, you know, say Madden was bet which one should have been the number one. So you're going to see similar, you know, if not not as many strikeouts, but you know, quality. You're going to see the same. I would assume on Tuesday from, um, you know, because I, I just. I don't know. I mean, I think he's been good all year long, too, to be honest with you. And, you know, and whether Tennessee can pitch, you know, of course, it's Frank Anderson, who's an OUT assistant coach and a long time. I mean, a guy's a lifer in this business and, and as good a pitching guy as there is in the business. And uh, it's whether Tim, to me, the game's going to be decided whether Tennessee can pitch, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I know I, I think you know what you're going to get from Texas's staff unless something unusual happens. I think they're going to be able to, to, to have, you know, hold the scoring down to, to, you know, enough that, you know, Texas should be able to get in there and score and get back to the confidence, offensive confidence that they've had throughout the year. But I, I want to, I want to bring this to light. I, I've said this multiple times. And it's, if you're a baseball person, which you are, you can understand. And Texas's success offensively has been that they are a 27 out team meaning they, they find ways to score throughout the stretch of, of, of a game through 27 outs. They don't have one thing where they, you know, sit in there, try to hit back foot, hit homers, try to do, they have multiple ways to score, which is why ultimately they still had a chance last night, even after all the punch outs and everything that took place, they still had a chance to win that game in the ninth inning. And it looked like that, you know, it was a possible good. It was about to happen. I think that, you know, going into Tuesday, They've got to regroup a little bit. Like I said, they're going to sweat it out today, and they're going to go back. They've got to get ready to be the offensive team, the 27-out team that they've been all year long on Tuesday uh, against Tennessee, and they'll have a chance. I, you know, if I was going to sit there and go, what do I think the score is going to end up? I don't have a magic ball, but you could go in there and say it could be a 5-4 game, but I do think it's going to be a one-run game at, at some point. I do think it's going to be tight. I do think it may be one of the most exciting games we've seen. It, it, right in line with the Vanderbilt game, you know, on Saturday night. Yeah. And Tristan Stevens will probably get the call for Texas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and Tanner Witt will be the first one out of the pen um, if, you know, when needed, whatever. Yes. What, what, what do you like about Tristan Stevens going up against Tennessee's offense? Yeah. And I may have said handsome minute ago. I meant to say Stevens, but um, he, well, he's efficient. I mean, he, look, he's in, he's in command of three different pitches. Um, and, and arguably he's the most efficient guy on their, on their staff, you know, that, you know, on, on weekend starter rotation, um, he, I guess if you went back to, uh, it was a super regional, I think maybe the first or second inning, he was a little, you know, rugged. Yep. He'd had eight days, I think, or seven and a half days, whatever it was in between starts. 
And, uh, and so in him nerves, maybe a little bit super regional, whatever it might be, but he has been absolutely solid to me from the very first pitch he threw in, in the beginning of the year, globe life till, till now, I mean, you know, we'll get a chance to see it on Tuesday, but he has been really, really good. He's a strike thrower. He can command uh, or uh, hold the run game when he chooses to, he does a decent job with that. Um, but you know, he's not going to be a high strikeout, high pitch guy. He comes right at you, and you're going to know if he's good early. If, if he can throw the ball and execute the ball in the outer half of the plate with his fastball and his breaker, you're going to know early. And can he go to his all-speed changeup breaker on left-handed hitters? That's going to decide because, you know, a lot of Tennessee's power is going to come from, you know, some of their left-handed hitters. And can he attack those left-handed hitters efficiently? When, uh, when, when you have a, a team who – has struggles at the plate or in, in a game in an, in a tournament situation where you got to turn right around and it's, it's winter go home. What do you tell them? What do you tell the players to, to get them at ease and get them back confident at the plate? I think most baseball players, if they're a good team, they've uh, not saying they've punched out 21 times in a, in a game very often, but most baseball players know the drill. I mean, if you're going to be good at this game, you, you got to be able to under, you got to be able to understand how to deal with failure. And if you can't, you're not going to last very long in this game. That's just the way it is. I mean, it, look, the game's built off of failure, and 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 those guys that can survive it and, and thrive and move forward. So, as a coach, you're going to remind them, okay, here here's our you know our pressure point. This is how we've dealt with. He's probably they probably have some keywords and and you know individual you know hitting and different practice things to try to get those guys past it. But the reality is these guys we're we're a game what sixty whatever it might be right now. They they need to be at that point where they're like okay it happened what what <laughs> here we go the world's going to keep moving and the World Series is damn sure going to keep moving. And so if we want to survive it, then we got to get back in there and be the offensive team that we've been before. One thing that that Texas has been really good about all year long. I've been really impressed with this. If you watch them live, and, and not from a camera angle, but watch them live, they have a presence when they walk into the box. They have this strut about them when they walk in there that's true confidence. And you'll be able to tell early live, and, and I think I'm going to be able to go on Tuesday, but you can you know, watch those guys. They walk up there with some you know swagger to them. They've been really good about that all year long. It, you know, and I, I'm anxious to see on Tuesday if they have that same kind of swagger to them getting in there, which I'm pretty sure they will. And when you, you know, Mike Antico, I'll, I'll give him some love because he's the one who finally snapped the the drought with the home yeah. run to lead off the ninth. What does it say about, you know, Mike Antico, a, a grad transfer uh, to be able to get that done and pump some life into the team, make it a one run game? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. If you if you go back and look, I thought a handful of things. I thought he did a great job. Um, his swing was shorter than most everybody's all night long. He had some decent looks. Um, I think in the fourth or fifth, he had some decent looks at some balls, and and his swing was was short. And um, but to answer your question, if you go back to the beginning of the year, he struggled, and I thought Texas did a really good job, and David and Tulo did a great job of sticking with him. There would have been some guys that would have bailed on him because, you know, but they recognize his presence. They recognize his ability to get on base. His own base percentage is through the roof. And then obviously you've seen it all year long to steal bags and, and to create offense at the top of that order. But they stuck with him. 
And now they're getting the benefit of all of that early part of him learning how to, to adjust to big 12 pitching and, you know, and probably a little more power arms. And, and as importantly, Chip, learning how to play at Texas. That's different. I don't care what anybody says. You don't go to Omaha 37 times and it not be different than to play at the University of Texas and anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's got to come through, Ty, for Texas to kind of get this thing going? I mean, the, the first names that come to my head are, are Zubia, uh, Antico. Um, obviously, yep. Tristan Stevens is going to have to be yep. really good. But who, who do you like as a guy to, to come through? I think if you – I don't know that I would tell you one person, but I would tell you the bottom of the, the, the last three to four hitters of Texas's lineup is going to have to score and they're going to have to make the difference in the game because I think scoring-wise throughout the year, those last three to four hitters in that lineup have been the, what has really busted a, a team up in a 27-out game. It's The top guys have, all, have historically done their thing and throughout the year pretty consistent. But what gets the teams is that that bottom half of the order, when other orders are, you know, guys hitting 220, 230, they're all singles hitters. They can't do anything offensively. They can't, you know, create offense. Texas order can and has all year long. So to me, I would choose those last three hitters. And those last three hitters are good, and they can create two runs in the bottom half of that order. I think Texas has a great chance to win against Tennessee and advance and 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 continue to keep playing if they can get that bottom half of the order to score. Yeah, because it it seems to favor. I mean, Texas's pitching depth uh, seems to favor them the deeper they go in the tournament. When other teams' pitching starts to get disoriented or used yeah. up, is that fair? Yeah, no, it's real. It's real fair, and uh, and and they just in, in a twenty-seven out game. I, I know I keep going back to that, but everybody gets caught up on the last three outs, or everybody gets caught up in the you know homer that the three-hole hitter hit in the fifth. But the reality is, in it's twenty-seven outs. So that bottom half of the order, if it goes through the the lineup three, four times in a game, it has got to be able to 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 score and do. And they just grind on you. They just keep grinding on you. Then all of a sudden, they get a drag bunt base hit. They stole a, steal a base. They moved the runner over from second, third. They've been so good at playing that part of the game of getting runners over, get them, get them over, get them in. They've been really good at that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the run game creates uh, elevated fastballs, Chip, where it, all of a sudden you're trying to hold a runner because you know he can run. You go to a slide step, you elevate a fastball, and one of those guys in the bottom of the order, the middle part of the order, pops a ball out of the ballpark or hits a double uh, based off of their you know, offensive opportunities to be able to run. Um, and I, I will say that one of the things that I, I do think Texas has a little bit of a challenge is against Tennessee is how do they get their left-handed hitters out? I, I do think, you know, Stevens, I'm not concerned. I mean, I think he's going to be able to because he's been so good and efficient. But, you know, Witt's going to, whether it's Witt or Nixon, whoever it is, that's right-handed on left. And being able to, can they get after them with those breakers and will they chase them, you know, chase after those breakers? Because both of them have change-ups, but their breakers and their fastballs are better than their change-ups. Oh, that's great stuff. Great stuff with Ty Harrington. No one knows it better than Ty Harrington. Uh, went to Omaha three times uh, as a player at Texas, once yep. as a GA at Texas, and of course, three times, uh, three NCAA tournament appearances as the head coach of Texas State. Ty Thanks so much. Love talking baseball with you, and uh, and we'll catch up again soon. Sounds great. I look forward to trying to get there on Tuesday and get a chance to watch them in, in live, hopefully, and then afterwards we can get a chance to visit some more. All right. That is fantastic stuff.
Uh, thanks everybody for listening for Ty Harrington. I am Chip Brown until next time here on the flagship podcast interview, stay safe and keep the faith.